0: Amen. Well, good morning, church. Um, it's uh, definitely different times uh, that we're in. Nothing like this has uh, ever been seen, I know, in my lifetime. Um, and and what I realize in this is that the enemy, he loves to come and to kill, steal, and destroy, and he loves to do that in a way that he can put us in fear because fear paralyzes Fear causes us to not move, fear causes us to um, retreat, to back up. Um, I want to encourage you this morning that we don't have to live in fear. That we have greater promises in Christ and that we can live in faith. And I want to do this, I I think I'm looking at the right camera, I hope so. Because I want you to look me in the eyes as best you can. I don't know if we need to zoom in or whatever. But I want you to look me in the eyes as best you can. And I want you to hear me in this. We will get through this and the church will prevail. And God will continue to be glorified in all the earth. We will not live in fear. We will walk in faith. We will continue to press on in Christ through Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to share something with you that I felt like the Lord put on my heart um, during worship. and hope I, I don't get run off for this. But the thing I want to tell you this morning that I felt like the Lord put on my heart is one act of faith that we're going to take as a church is this, that every dollar that comes in the offering this week will go to needs in the community. It will not go to a light bill. It will not go to a paycheck. It will go to this community to help people who are in need because we will not live in fear. God is our provider. He will sustain. I've seen this through my whole walk with Jesus and every dollar will go into this community to help those who are hurting and and those who right now are facing challenges. And we're going to be the church and we're going to see the faithfulness of God in all of this. And so um, I want to encourage you with that, uh, that in these times, it would be easy to be shaken. It would be easy to lose hope. It would be easy to get in fear, but we're going to walk in faith and we're going to get through it and not just get through it. We're going to see God glorified in it today. Um, I want to talk to you about this. This seems pretty appropriate for where we're at. I know um, people are in a lot of different places right now. You've kind of got uh, two ends of the spectrum. On one side, you've got a lot of people who feel like this is not that big a deal. We're going to get through this. Um, I think that number's probably shrinking a little bit that think it's not a big deal. Uh, even if we think the virus isn't a big deal, if you watch what's happening with the economy, all these things, there's reasons for people to... to um, Become rattled. Uh, then on the other side, you've got people who live in extreme fear and anxiety about what's happening now. The thing I want to encourage you with in either end of the spectrum, wherever you find yourself, is that we can walk in peace as followers of Christ. That our peace in Christ surpasses what's going on in the world around us. And I want to talk to you about that today. Um, and how do we do that? What does that look like? Um, how does this continuous, um, and and really the purpose behind it, the purpose behind it. Um, and and so I want to spend our time doing that before we do that. Um, I'd like to read two passages of scripture and and then we'll get in. We're going to spend some time here in mostly in Philippians today, but I want to start off in John chapter 14 and we'll read verse one and then I want us to flip over, uh, Or in my Bible, flip over. It might not be in yours, but flip over to verse 27. Um, And so, verse 1 in John 14 says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Then, if you look at verse 27, Jesus says this Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. I want us to pray um, not just for the word that we're going to hear but also for the world uh for our community and uh let's 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 call on the name of of Jesus now. Father, we thank you for your grace. God that you do for us in us and through us what we cannot do, Lord. We thank you that even right now people who are listening to my voice that they they, they would not just hear my voice, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would hear your voice, God, and you speaking to us and stirring us up by the Spirit of God that is in us to greater faith, to greater trust, Lord, that our eyes would be diverted from all of the, the media, all of the different things that we're hearing that could put us in fear um, from experience, from what's going on around us. God, we, we lift our eyes to you right now and we declare that you, O God, are greater, that you, O God, are sovereign, that you, O God, are in control. And we lift our eyes up to you and we cry out to you, Lord, and ask for your intervention, your intervention into this world, Lord. Even as we look at the map, last night, there was like one country in the whole world that had not been affected by this, God. But this is the world that the Bible tells us that you so loved that you sent your son And so, God, we call out to your name. We call upon you, Lord, that you would intervene. We lift up our eyes to you because we know that you are our help and you are our hope, Lord. God, we pray for your intervention with this virus, with with, uh, the people's livelihood. But, God, we also pray that it would be a time where multitudes upon multitudes of people would turn their eyes to you. That they would lift up their eyes and they would realize, God that you are a very near help in a time of need, that you are very present, that you are still um, ruling and reigning and drawing us to yourself, God, that you give us a greater hope than what might lie ahead of us tomorrow, but you give us an eternal hope, God, that cannot be shaken, that cannot be taken away, Lord. We thank you. God, we lift up to you right now all the peoples of the earth, who are struggling and suffering, God, I pray that your presence would be made very real to them, God. Would you visit them through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, even through visions and dreams that they would be able to understand, God, who you are in Christ. I pray, Lord, for those around the world who are sacrificing to share the good news of Jesus. I lift up shame to you right now, God, in North Africa. I pray, Father, that you would work and continue to move in his life. I pray, Father, that you would protect him and and encompass him in your grace and your love, Lord, and that it would become evidence that the the grace of you, um, God, who works in him, Lord, become evident even to those around him, God. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, God, for your goodness to us. We come to you with a heart of thanksgiving that you are good, that you are generous, and you're gracious. Father, we worship you today. We thank you for your word that it is truth that we can stand upon. We thank you for the promises that it holds, that it speaks, that it shows, that it tells us, God, that are undergirded and strengthened and sure because you are the one, God, who is behind these promises. We thank you, Lord, that you cannot lie that they are all true, and that we can put our lives upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking earlier this week about how really in less than a week, in about four or five days, the world and life as we know it was completely altered. Um, It was remarkable to me to see things begin to happen um, when the NBA began to shut down and then um, MLB and and, uh, followed by every other sport um, from pro to little league. uh, Every sport uh, in the world that it was shut down, it all began to shut down. The economy began to fail in many ways as far as the stock market began to crash and we saw these huge drops in the stock market. Um, People began to debate on whether the health system, not just in the United States, but throughout the world would be able to withstand what was coming. And, and it, it was impressed upon me. I realized this, that everything we have put our trust in as people in many ways, um, it fell in less than a week. That so much of what we put our hope in, our trust, our joy, all of these things, it fell in less than a week. Around the world, not just in a community or even one country, but around the world, this happened and for me i'm I'm guessing, like a lot of other people, I've realized more than ever the places that I put my trust and joy and hope that were not in god, right that There were things where I realized more than ever um, how much I looked to all these other things for joy or security or whatever it might be. It was kind of a wake up to that for me. And what I realized about this is that these are times when three things happen in regard to our faith. When the things that we put our trust in, our hope in, our joy in, um, bet our lives on, when they begin to be shaken and they fall then there are three things that happen in regard to our faith. The first one is this, our faith is tested. Our faith is tested. Um, we, we really find out what our, what our faith is made of. Um, the second thing is that as, as our faith is tested, it's revealed to be authentic or a facade. Is it real or have I kind of been going through the motions? Because when everything around us that seemingly is um, supplying our needs um, and, and giving us hope and joy, when those things begin to shake, going through the motions does not sustain you. We begin to find out what is real, what is authentic, or what is a facade, or just kind of going through the motions. The third thing is that our faith is either strengthened and refined, or it's damaged or even destroyed so that we have the potential to be strengthened in our faith or to the other extreme, to walk away from it altogether. Depending on which direction we go in our faith, our peace, our inner peace, our our true peace and joy is either secured or it's shaken. It's secured or it's shaken. I want to encourage you today that we draw near to God. I want to encourage you today that we lift our eyes to the one who can give hope that our peace, our joy, our hope would be secured, not shaken. I want to specifically talk to you about peace this morning. Where does this come from How do we continue to walk in faith because we're following this way of peace? We're walking in the spirit. We're following this way of peace. And I would tell you this, that there's two types of peace. There's two types of peace. The first one is circumstantial. The first type of peace is circumstantial. This obviously is is based on circumstances. What's going on around me? um, What's happening around me? The environment around me? Um, It's established by my experience in those circumstances, both present and past. It's temporary. It it doesn't last. It's it's unsure. In fact, it's easily lost. And it leads to a life that is a roller coaster of emotions. There's, There's no steadiness. There's no Um, consistency. It's a roller coaster of emotions so that my peace and even my joy, my security is circumstantial based on how things are going. And so my life is just an up and down roller coaster all over the place. The second type of peace is providential. It's either circumstantial or it's providential. Meaning in this way, our peace is based on God's sovereignty, the sovereignty of a good faithful, trustworthy, sovereign God. It's established not by my experience, but it's established by truth, not experiential truth, but God's truth, a big T truth that trumps my experiential truth. This type of peace, instead of it being temporary, it's eternal. It lasts forever. Um, Instead of it being easily lost, it's always available because God is not shaken. If this peace is lost, it's not because God has moved, it's because we've moved away from God. It's able to steady our emotions and lead to consistency and peace in life rather than us leading a life that is this roller coaster of emotions. But I'll tell you this, the consistency of the peace we experience will depend on the consistency of our trust in God. The consistency of the peace we experience will depend on the consistency of our trust in God, the consistency of my dependence on Jesus, the consistency of my calling on the Holy Spirit in me to secure and renew the promises of God that I know, but I begin to apply them by walking in them. I wanna spend a little bit of time talking about this. How do we experience God's peace? And, And maybe more specifically, how do we walk consistently in trust, consistently in faith, and therefore consistently in peace? How does this become the consistent part of our life not something that is just dependent on how things are going around me or even my prospect or, or how I see things going in the future. How do I walk in this consistently? How do I maintain this in my life? I want to go back now to John 14:1, and I want to go back to uh, 27. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It's something interesting here. I went and looked at several translations. Um, The large majority of them translate this verse very similarly. Um, Either let not your hearts be troubled, don't let your hearts be troubled, something along those lines. And it's interesting to me because Jesus um, doesn't say, um, I won't let your heart be troubled. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. It's as if Jesus is giving us a choice in the matter. Right. It's not it's not something he says, it's just going to automatically happen. He tells us clearly, don't let your heart be troubled as though we have a choice in this. And here's the thing. Someone who has experienced a lot of anxiety, someone who's experienced fear, someone who's been uh, given to worry. Listen, I understand this. It feels many times like I do not have a choice. But Jesus tells us, don't let your heart be troubled. Listen to this. Go to verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. We see it again right there. Don't let your heart be troubled. And so when we look at this, it's very interesting. He tells us, I don't give peace to you the way the world gives. I don't give peace that can be taken away. I don't give peace that ebbs and flows on the basis of circumstance. I don't give peace that's based on your experience or, or what, you, what you deem the future to hold. I give peace that is sure because your peace is in me. It's not in all these things around you. And so we see this where he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. How do we do that? Easier said than done, right? Don't let your heart be troubled. Well, how do I not let it be troubled? Go to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. We're going to spend the bulk of our time here. I want to begin reading in verse four. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. I want to read that again. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. All right, let's let's begin to look at this because there's some Great truths in this that help us walk consistently in peace because we're walking consistently in faith in Christ. The first one that I want to tell you is this. Remember that the Lord is near. Remember that the Lord is near. Um, I read that little portion there twice because pretty much all of these verses that we just read hinge upon that one phrase. The Lord is near. He tells us in verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. In that, he tells us twice. He's, He's like, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. In other words, he's saying, don't gloss over this. He's saying this is crucial to everything I've told you and everything I'm telling you. If you want to get what I'm telling you, you need to rejoice in the Lord always. He's in effect basically saying this. Our joy and our rejoicing should be a distinctive mark of the believer. It's not based on circumstance, but on our relationship with Jesus. He's saying rejoice always. What is always? Always, all the time, in everything, In the good, in the bad, and you need to understand, he's writing to a church that is not living in good circumstances. They're being persecuted. They are pressed on every side. And yet he says, even in this, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. How can we do that? Because the Lord is near. He tells them, he says, let your graciousness and gentle forbearance, or gentle forbearance is, is a literal translation of that. Your graciousness, your gentle forbearance, be known to everyone. He's saying, listen, let people, this is this is important, let people see the contrast of your circumstances and the continued gracious attitude and hope that you have. Let people see this contrast, that your circumstances are this, but your continued gracious attitude, this gentle forbearance, this pressing on in grace, that they don't line up, that there is truly something supernatural in this. How can they do that? By remembering that the Lord is near. By remembering this is how they're able to rejoice in the Lord always in, in all circumstances. The, the, the way that they are able to show graciousness and gentle forbearance and the hope of Christ to everyone. And listen, not just to those who are in their fellowship who they like. When he says everyone... Let it be known to everyone. He is literally meaning even to those who are persecuting you. Even to those who are persecuting you. When we get to this verse where he says, the Lord is near. It, it's really, like I said, the key phrase in all of this. Uh, it's, it's such a key part to these verses. Um, and it's this small phrase um, The Lord is near, I guess four words, I'm not good at counting, but it's packed, it's packed with truth. And one of those truths is this, that the Lord is near in the sense of our promise of our future with Jesus. This is one of the things that we need to remember, the promise of our future with Jesus, that this is not our home, that this is not it, that that this is not the end for those who are in Christ that for those who are in Christ, this is bad as it will ever get, because glory waits for us in the future, so that we see this. Even, look, go back to John chapter 14. Even in this, let's read from one through three, because I want you to see this. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And so what are the reasons? He says, don't let your heart be troubled. He says, don't let your heart be troubled because you can believe in God. You can believe in me. He's basically telling them, I've never let you down to this point. I'm not gonna let you down now. Regardless of what the media says, regardless of what the health specialists say, regardless of any circumstance in our life, I will not let you down. Your future is secure in me. The second reason we need to remember that the Lord is near is because the promise of the promise of Jesus in the present It's not just the promise of Jesus in the future. It's the promise of Jesus in the present. Look at John 14, eight, or 18, I'm sorry. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. And so Jesus, even as he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled, he tells them, I'm going to go away. The world won't see me, but you will see me. He says, I'm promising you, I will not leave you orphans. And we know that he didn't leave us orphans because he sent another one, not him, but one just like him of, of the, the other member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes and Jesus fulfilled his promise not to leave us as orphans. And so we have this promise of Jesus in the present, not physically, tangibly beside us, but spiritually inside of us, giving us a peace that as we read in verse seven, surpasses all understanding the presence of God in our life as we walk through the circumstances. When we look at this and we look at the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that is in each one of us who are followers of Jesus, what we begin to find and realize if we read other scripture is that peace is a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is one of those fruits mentioned as this fruit, this encompassing fruit that we get when we receive the Holy Spirit. If we don't quench the Holy Spirit, but we walk in the Spirit, we remember that the Lord is near, not just in the future, but presently with me in the midst of my circumstance, then the fruit of the Spirit begins to well up in me. The joy and the peace begin to happen. not because of me and me just summoning the strength, but because I've put my trust in Christ. And I'm looking to him and the spirit of God begins to give me peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus, or I'm sorry, Paul goes on. And in verse six, he says this. He says, don't worry about anything. And listen, here comes a big word in this. Don't worry about anything, but in everything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything. It's, it's, it's this, trans, this uh, transition. It's a contrast. He's saying, listen, don't worry. Instead, do this. And what we need to do, the second thing I would tell you, the first one being remember that the Lord is near. The, the second one is remember and rely. Remember and rely. Remember that the God you trust in who he is, and renew your dependence upon him. Remember and rely. He says this. He says, rather than worry, rather than being anxious, rather than getting out of peace, he says, in everything. He says, here's your other option. You can walk in worry and anxiety and fear, or you can walk this way. He says, in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present. Your request to God. So the first part is that we need uh, to come to him and realize this. Rather than worrying, I'm going to present my request. I'm going to pray. I'm going to petition. Those three words, prayer, petition, request, they're not so much in in the Greek language um, to be distinguished like these different prayers as much as it is as a whole showing a complete dependence on God. He said, Listen, take these requests, take these cares, take all of these things, and through prayer and petition, through requests, present them to God, lift them up to God. You sitting there worrying about them does no good. So come and bring them to God, bring them to Him, rely upon Him for these things. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just to rely, we need to also remember. We need to remember. And that's where this word thanksgiving, see, thanksgiving should be the wholehearted attitude of the Christian. It should be the posture of our prayer and our petition and our request that we come before the Lord with thanksgiving. But how do we come before the Lord with thanksgiving when our circumstances tell us that we shouldn't be offering thanks? When everybody's freaking out around us How do we come to the Lord with thanksgiving? We come to the Lord with thanksgiving because we remember who the Lord is. We remember his goodness and his generosity. We look to him, not to our circumstances. We don't judge God based off of our circumstances and experience. We look to the truth of who God is in scripture to understand who he is. And when I begin to see him in that way, I bring my thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for who you are. Then in the midst of a world that has been flipped upside down, God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. I can put my trust in you because I know you are sovereign and good and faithful that you are able to do the things you've promised, that you have my good in mind, God. You've shown us your goodness by giving your son, by him going to the cross and dying for my sins, by rising on the third day to give me life. And now he's ascended and fulfilled his promise by sending the Holy Spirit back so that I would not be left an orphan. God, we thank you for all you are and all you've done. And God, I present my requests. I present my prayers. I present my petitions to a good and generous God. And when I do that and I put the full weight of my dependence on you, then this is what I know. I can have peace because it all rests in your hands. I remember. I remember and i rely i come with thanksgiving and i come in reliance and dependence expressing my utter dependence and trust in a good generous sovereign faithful god and then we find this if instead of worrying and and paul even says it this way he says don't worry Again, much like Jesus, don't let your hearts be troubled. Paul says, don't worry, as if it's an option, it's a choice. It's something that we have to make our mind up to. We have to stand stubbornly and we have to um, hold tightly to truth. And he says the result of not being worried, but presenting our prayers, petitions, and requests to God, this attitude of thanksgiving, He says, the result of that is not worry and anxiety and fear and paralysis. He said, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. he talks about the heart and the mind. He's talking about the very core of our being. He's talking about um, the heart as the center of life from which the Bible says everything flows. He's saying, if you will do these things, then God will guard the very center of your life from which everything else flows. When he talks about a God will guard your mind. And so we need to remember and rely that we can experience this peace, walk in this peace consistently. The third way we do this, the last way, is that we don't let our mind run away. We dwell on truth. Listen to what he says. Again, here in verse eight, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, he said, I'm bringing all of this home now. Everything I've told you, everything I've relayed to you in this letter, I want you to hear it. This is where it all comes together. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. We can't let our mind run away. How many of you, not that I can see you raise your hand, but how many of you, you get alone or even in a crowd of people and you begin to hear things and your mind so quickly is able to run away and we go down this downward spiral of things and and our mind just gets away from us. This is what Paul's saying, listen, don't do that. Don't get to that place. He's saying, don't let that happen. Instead, he says, basically dwell on these things. I think one translation says think, but but the original language is much stronger than that. It means to dwell. It means to take into account. It, It means to not let these, what I'm about to tell you, get away And he tells us to dwell on whatever is true. In other words, not what is seen or heard or the feelings we have or what the media says, but the truth according to God and the gospel. He tells us to dwell on whatever is honorable. In other words, this word literally meaning what is sacred or revered. Dwell on not on the things of the world, but on what's sacred and revered on God. He says dwell on what's just or right literally referring to God's character he's saying dwell on the character of God Uh, that includes how God deals with his people in Christ he says dwell on what is pure in other words what's not tainted by evil, what's not been tainted by the world. He says, look at this. He says, don't look at these people's impure motives as they persecute and they come against you and you feel this uncertainty pressing in around you. He says, don't dwell on what results from evil, but dwell on what comes from God. He tells us to dwell on what's lovely, what's commendable or admirable. He tells, he's basically saying, dwell on the actions of those that are admirable, not those things that are destructive, but look to what is good and what is in line with God's character. And then he kind of sums all this up and says, whatever's excellent and praiseworthy, dwell on God's character that works itself out in us. Dwell on God's character and the grace of God that works in us and for us and through us. And he even goes and he does this. He says, whatever it is that you've learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, he said, do these things, do these things. What's Paul saying? He's using his own life to encourage them and now to encourage us in the way of the gospel, in this way of peace. If you go back to chapter one earlier, Paul shares, uh, he, he talks about his current, his present struggles, the suffering he's enduring He goes to chapter 2 and he talks about Jesus' suffering and how Jesus humbled himself to come to earth. And he took the form of a servant and he died on the cross. And in chapter 3, he shares his own story of suffering for the gospel. What's happened to him in the past and the struggles and different things that he's had. And yet we go on in chapter 4 and later Paul says this. He says, I've learned the secret to contentment whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, what is the secret? It's dwelling or abiding in the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's dwelling on truth. It's remembering and relying. It's knowing that the Lord is near through a future promise of eternity with him, but also the present reality of him with us through the Holy Spirit. Before we close this out, I want to spend just a minute in this. And again, remember the Lord is near. Remember who our God is. Rely on him, putting our dependence in him. And don't let your mind run away, but dwell on truth. I want to share with you why this is even possible. How is it even possible that this peace can be promised to us? And I want to do this by going to the book of Romans. And I want to read Romans 5, verse 1. And in this, Paul, the same Paul, you know, who wrote Philippians, wrote this letter to the churches in Rome. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, Since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How can we have this kind of peace in the world? It's only because we have been made at peace with God. Before Christ and our faith in Christ, we were literally enemies of God because of our sin, because of our rebellion against him. But when Jesus came to earth, He humbled himself and took the form of a man, the form of a servant. He emptied himself of his rights as God. And he went to the cross having lived perfection out, having lived righteousness out. He went to the cross and God's wrath was poured out on him. And literally at the cross, we see this crazy powerful collision of God's wrath towards sin and God's love towards us colliding upon Christ and in Christ on the cross. And this peace that we have is, is, is possible because of what Jesus has done for us, because the father so loved the world, because God cares for us. He sent his Son. And in and through his son, we have peace with God. We are able to walk in peace first and foremost because in Christ we have peace with God. Because of that, Romans 8, 37 through 39, I just want to read it again as an encouragement to you. As an encouragement. Paul, as he's talking about the challenges of scripture earlier, he talks about the groaning even of creation, longing for the revealing of the son of man, longing for the return of Christ, for all things that have been marred and made wrong by sin, for all things to be made right. He says in verse 37, Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am persuaded. I am persuaded That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a promise. Paul says this is the truth. That no virus, no economy, no falling of of a nation, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That is the hope that we have. And when we remember that this is the God who is near, who is living inside of us, when we remember and rely on him, We make our prayers and petitions and requests known to him with thanksgiving, knowing him as a good and generous God. When we don't let our mind run away um, according to what we see or the circumstances around us, but we bring those thoughts back to the truth of God and who he is, we can walk in this peace. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I'm not supposed to touch my face. I did. The point of all this, the point of all this is number one, that God's people will dwell in peace with Him, with each other, And have peace within themselves. Yes, that we can walk in peace with God, one another, and have peace in ourselves as we walk in the gospel truth and the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's even a bigger reason for this peace. And that is that the gospel is lived out and expressed in the world. That the gospel is lived out and expressed in the world. That the truth of Jesus is manifest. Because in times when everything else is going chaotic, when everything else seems to be falling apart, there is a peace that exists in the Christian, not because we don't care, but because we know that we are in the hands of a God who cares deeply for us, who is good and generous and sovereign, who has secured our future, has secured our present, and gives us the strength and ability to continue to walk in the face of adversity. And people see that. And our prayer is that they too would turn and lift their eyes to God, that they could walk with him in peace. They could walk with each other in peace and they in themselves can have peace that surpasses understanding and showing the reality of the gospel truth to the world around them as well. And in all of it, God is glorified. I wanna say one more time as we close this out, It's not a time we have to live in fear, it's a time for faith. It's not a time for self-preservation, it's a time to serve. It's not a time to be anxious, it's a time to remember and rely on the Lord that is near. To strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I really wanna encourage you with that. We don't know what tomorrow holds but we know that God does and that he's there with us. And so I really want to encourage you, church. It's not a time to be fearful, but it's it's an opportunity to show the grace and the reality of Jesus to the world around us. Let's continue to take precautions. Let's continue to use wisdom, but let's continue to press on and, and let's continue to pray god to intervene and god to be glorified in all the earth let's pray together father thank you for your truth that we can rely upon that we can stand upon god i pray that our minds would be set upon truth set upon your word god i pray um, even now that we would remember who you are your character and nature and that we would again cast ourselves our dependence upon you lord and god that we would remember how near you are lord that not only is our future secure as you, your time of, of setting all things that are wrong, making them right comes. But God, you are very real and present with us right now. God, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that the spirit of God in us would be stirred up. Giving us faith and courage and boldness. Giving us wisdom in these days. God, I pray that we would draw closer to you. And that the peace that surpasses all understanding would not just be ours, but it would emanate from your people to the world. We love you, God, and praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you.